Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much as always for listening to the show. I really appreciate your time today on the show. Uh, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to do a deep dive. Um, this is inspired by, um, some good response. I got to a couple episodes that I sort of wasn't expecting awesome response to. I, I you know, I don't know. I've, <laughs> as I'm going to talk about with advertising in a second, I'm pretty bad at predicting which episodes people are going to like. Uh, but this is basically just going to be a deep dive strategy unpack on how I think about Facebook ad creative, um, not just in terms of the volume of creative that you produce and sort of setting up the Facebook ad machine, though I think that's really important too. And I did an episode about that. It's probably worth listening to before this episode called, I think it's called building a perpetual Facebook ads machine or something. Um, uh, but yeah, only a few episodes ago. So go check that out. And, uh, and this episode, I'm going to take that, unpack that concept just a little bit more, and then spend some time as well, thinking through how to craft, not just volume of ads, but quality of ads, uh, because I believe that you need both to be successful on Facebook ads. So this is coming straight from having spent a lot of time with a lot of different clients in a lot of different spaces, plus my, you know, the brands that I ran at 4x400 uh, or that I led at 4x400, uh, doing that across a lot of different brands. And this is sort of my basic theory right now on on even given the state of Facebook ads today versus before, what it takes to win on Facebook from the perspective specifically of creative. So uh, no need for, for further delay. Let's dive right in to the show. So I recently did an episode uh, where I talked through a sort of broad Facebook ads approach um, built around um, a create what we call it, what I call the creative machine, sort of generating a machine of Facebook ad creative and how you could use that to um, to have success on Facebook via volume, essentially, just by saying like by creating by by um, generating lots and lots of creative, you can win, uh, and kind of that simply. And I still think that's basically right. Uh, you know, it was a couple weeks ago that I released that episode, um, and I just I had some really good response to that episode, and it made me think like. Um, okay, well, what if I kind of dug in a little bit more sort of on a theoretical basis? You know, so much of the show has been me chronicling sort of the daily ins and outs of things that we're doing. But um, the Facebook ads um, approach that I talked about there really is um, uh, is a little bit broader tactical kind of thinking and theoretical. And I wanted to actually dive into that a little bit more this week. So, um, so specifically, what I want to talk about is sort of how to think about Facebook ads overall, sort of similarly to how I talked about uh, promotional moments in your marketing calendar uh, in a recent episode as well. Um, but uh, not only Facebook ads overall, but then sort of diving in a little more um, directly on this question of what does great creative look like and how do you structure it sort of from a theoretical standpoint? What are you trying to accomplish in an ad? Um, and how do you build your ad creative for success? Because um, essentially what I'm saying is that there is there is a real advantage to volume. And so, so why don't we actually start there? Big picture, um, the theoretical underpinning of what I am saying in this episode is this. While people go back and forth all the time about um, sort of volume of creative versus quality of creative uh, in terms of which one is worth more of your time in Facebook advertising, my suggestion is you should not have to choose. What you should be trying to build, if you want to get the most you can possibly get out of Facebook ads, and I'm going to suggest to you that you should think about Facebook ads that way because it is such an incredible um, 
machine for uh, opportunity for, for business, for acquiring customers. If you want to get the most out of it, um, what you the, the, the sort of fundamental key to doing that is to do both is to generate both thoughtful creative and volume of creative. And those are two somewhat different things that require somewhat different skills and different processes and maybe different team members in some ways. One of them I think of as almost a more operational skill set and then one of them is a more traditional advertising marketing skill set. Um, but they both can matter and of course they can work together. And if you can work on a team that can get both of these going for you uh, and, and, uh, and you can get a flywheel spinning here, you can do really, really well. So... Uh, I'm going to talk about this in two big pictures steps. So the first, I want to review quickly how I think about a big picture account setup um, for Facebook ads. And then from there, I want to talk more about creative. So um, again, this will be a little bit of review from something I said a couple weeks ago, but it's still worth going back over. Um, just as a reminder, from the big picture, um, there is a major advantage in Facebook ads, in my estimation, to volume itself to create a variety itself. And that is because cost controls with Facebook ads, if you can thoughtfully determine a target CPA and a target ROAS for your ads, give Facebook those numbers and say, spend as much money as you can as long as you're hitting those numbers, that that is a baseline level of uh, approach for success. Trust the algorithm, target broadly, and give Facebook creative um, volume and success. So, so for example, for one of my clients right now, um, the very first thing that I am doing for them is going through past creative that, uh, in my estimate, or that past, um, there, there's some evidence of past success, and I am simply relaunching it, uh, relaunching it, but instead of running it, sort of um, auto bidding, just sort of auto lowest cost, auto highest value, um, and you know, and then manually adjust my targets. Instead, I spent a bunch of time digging into what ROAS target makes sense. <coughs> Excuse me. What ROAS target makes sense for this brand based on the unit, econo unit economics, doing all the things that you need to do, be clued into inventory, unit economics, all those things. And then from there, say, okay, if my CAC target is 20 bucks, great. Then build a cost cap into my ads for $20 and then fire away and, and put those ads in there. And look, if it's a relaunch piece of creative and it turns out that creative is no longer effective, fine, Facebook's not gonna spend the money. If there's a hundred bucks a day worth of profitable spend there, I want it. So I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna include it, okay? And so job number one there is just start launching a bunch of that creative. The next thing I'm doing for that brand is, or for brands is going through a bunch of other social content that is sort of what I would say good enough, might generate returns. Um, this is where there's a baseline idea that I believe that even though I'm about to tell you what I think thoughtful, good, creative is, it's incredibly hard, if not impossible, to predict what will actually win. Um, and therefore, I want to test broadly because I'm very often wrong about what creative is going to win on Facebook. So therefore, test really broadly. If I'm wrong a lot, that means I should take stuff that I do not think will work. That If you just ask me, do I think this will work? My answer is no. And yet I'm going to run it anyway, as long as it's on brand, as long as it's not damaging the brand, those kinds of things because I believe that I'm wrong a lot. And so that means that I don't trust my instinctual judgment on whether or not it will work. Instead, I'm gonna trust that the cost controls, my minimum ROAS target or my cost cap target on Facebook um, is gonna be enough to, uh, to help me determine whether or not this is, this is winning creative, okay? So <clears throat> volume of creative, everything I can do, I talked about creating, um, on that episode, I think, was, I think the title is creating a perpetual Facebook ad machine or building a Facebook, perpetual Facebook ad machine. Go back and listen to that to hear me talk more about the details of sort of asset creation and ways to generate 
creative because volume can matter. It can matter, all right? So there's that, okay? Number two, um, one thing I believe is that uh, the way that you um, the way that you target different people on different kinds of customers and get as much reach as possible on Facebook is not by using interest targeting or lookalike targeting or anything like that. Really, the way you do it is with creative. The the broader the range of creative, the more different angles and styles of creative. Video versus still, UGC versus uh, you know quality photography and video, like all that kind of stuff, different kinds of customers are going to respond different ways to different kinds of creative and different angles. And so I want to create as much variety as possible. And when I think of that variety, I think of it in four buckets. Number one, video versus still. Uh, There is a baseline idea that a lot of advertisers have that video is more powerful than still images. I do not think that is always true. I don't even necessarily, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely sometimes true, but there's plenty of times when I've seen still images, just still images with a strong headline in the image perform really well. So um, I'm a big believer in, in using that. So video versus still is one kind of variety you can create. And I do believe that some kinds, some, uh, some that one of the behaviors that happens for people scrolling their feeds and, and all that sort of thing is that some people are much more likely to watch a video and some people are much less likely to watch a video. They just don't want, they can't be bothered. And so a still can be more powerful. If you're standing in line somewhere scrolling a feed and you maybe can't watch something with sound. And so then, you know, video maybe is not as effective. And even if there's captions and blah, blah, blah. All right, so video versus still. Um, format, and what I mean by format specifically is, is really around um, sort of like style. So let's let's take video, right? Maybe you you run some sort of better produced brand, brandy video kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That typically is what works on performance marketing, but maybe that's something you try. And at the same time, you try UGC. And at the same time, you try influencer content. You know, actual customers versus influencers, those kinds of things. Um, explainer videos, there's all kinds of different styles you could do, sort of the what I just call mashable style videos, where it's like text on screen with rotating images and videos and um, and you know that that sort of thing, but with no actual um, voiceover, that sort of thing. So there's all kinds of different formats you could you could produce um, that maybe would a- a- attract different people. The same is true with still imagery, by the way. You could do UGC stills, something that feels very socially native with um, little you know stickers all over it and. And all that kind of stuff. GIFs would be another thing like that uh, that counts. Um, so different formats. So, uh, again, just recognizing that different kinds of users are going to respond to different kinds of creative in different ways. Uh, another one would be placement. So this is number three. Um, another way to create variety and and really reach here is by creating different creative for um, placement optimization. So you can't run uh, on Instagram Reels. Uh, I think. A content that's uh, longer than a minute, if memory serves. Uh, it, that might be wrong. It might be 30 seconds. I don't remember. Anyway, your ad can only be a certain length. Uh, and and so if so if you can, as you're running ads, if you've got video and you can get a one minute or less version of it while you also have maybe a longer version of it, that's going to open up a different placement for you. Uh, imagery that works 9 by 16 so that you can run it uh, sort of natively on Instagram stories versus not um, can be effective or even content that originally came from Instagram stories versus feed focused content etc um, you know one by one versus uh, uh, versus other uh, versus horizontal um, you know uh, aspect ratios for your videos and stills. The thing is, as you do that, what it allows you to do is, and you, you, you if you've built ads in, in Ads Manager, you know that you sort of can preview how your ad will look in all of these different formats. And 
the suggestion here is that you want to take a core piece of creative and create tweaks, variations that are native to each of those formats because that will allow you to reach deeper into your audiences. If your ad won't work on Instagram stories, right? Then that's a that's a placement that you now that you're now cutting off. That's potential volume that you're now cutting off for those users who are primarily stories users or whatever, right? Um, then you know now you've now you've eliminated that ability to do that. And I would say in general, one of the ways you reach deep into audiences and different kinds of audiences is to make sure that your creative uh, uh, is formatted for all these different audiences. Okay, so there's that. Uh, and then fourth and finally angle, and this is where you can create real variety. <clears throat> angle, the concept of angles in advertising is is so important um, because it just allows you to uh, think about reaching different kinds of customers with either the same product or the same brand. So if I go back to my days at Bamboo Earth, uh, there's just a lot of different ways that you could think about how skincare is going to play for somebody. It might have something to do with dry skin, so you could do some, you could run something where there's a uh, an ad all about dry skin as the talking point. That's what I mean by angle. And you could do everything I just said, different formats, different video versus still, different placement, uh, focus creative, all all around this idea of dry skin, especially maybe in the winter, somebody doing a dehydrated dry skin, right? You could also send something about oily skin and it would be probably a different product, um, but it actually might even be the case that like in the case of Bamboo Earth, that's the intro point, but that you send both customers to our skin quiz and let them go look through and take the quiz and figure out what products are best for them. Uh, so it might be different products, might be different angles. And in that respect, different angles is very connected to the idea of different offers or different products. Um, using those as ways to go reach deeper into audiences. Again, somebody might be interested in a moisturizer who's not interested in a toner and vice versa. Somebody might be interested in dry shampoo who's not interested in either of those. If you have a broad product set, I've watched brands do this all the time. This product, they say, doesn't sell very much. So why would we run ads for it? Well, have you ever run ads for it? Maybe it doesn't sell very much for inbound traffic for people who already know you as a company that sells X product, right? But they don't know you. They don't even know you have Y product. And so um, so why not try it in ads as an outbound customer acquisition tool? Uh, it can work. And so, um, so angle and kind of with that product and offer um, is a different way to think about this or even the same product different ways, right? So one of them, you might take two products, again, to use the skincare example, you might talk about sort of how the product relates to dry skin, or you might talk about how the product relates to, to aging. And th that could actually be the same product, but just talking about the benefits of the product in two very different ways. And those are going to appeal to probably different kinds of people uh, in, in different ways as well. So thinking about what are the different angles that my product um, makes sense for. I mean, you might have an ethical component to your brand, and that might be really different than um, than say just how the brand looks and feels or a, a sustainability element to your brand and maybe that really matters to some customers, et cetera, okay? So, uh, so angle. So what you're trying to create here, right? This big picture, like I said before, is a machine. A machine that generates with all the creative that is out there as much of it as possible. And what I tried to just give you was just some sort of different ways to think about how to create variety in that creative because variety is the way you create reach uh, into different audiences uh, with creative. Uh, creative variety is the way you do that and also is the way you create different outcomes. If you want different, if you if you want, if you're running at a 1.5 ROAS and you really want to go to a two or you want to go to a, let's say you want to go to a three, right? Um, let's use a different example. Let's say you're running at a one-to-one -one ROAS and you just can't seem to get where you want to and you're like thinking about turning off Facebook ads because you're losing money on first purchase here, right? Uh, 
if you did that, uh, and you need to get to a two to one instead to be successful, that means you need to double the, the value that you're creating out of your ads. If you want to double your performance, you're not going to get there with tweaks. You have to get there with real variety. And that's part of the point of the argument for variety. If you want a variety of outcomes, you need a variety of inputs. And so, uh, so that's what you're trying to build here is not only a, a machine for lots of creative, but also for a variety of um, different kinds of creative in all kinds of different ways, okay? So that's the big picture there. You, uh, you set up your account, recognizing that you aren't gonna predict what works, recognizing that you can utilize cost controls to generate uh, value here. And that's big part of the task. I think this is fundamentally an operational challenge. What you actually have to do to make this work is to connect your advertising people with whoever it is that's producing assets for you. Or you have to go figure out how to produce more assets for really cheap. And uh, and then you have to figure out how to get those assets from the people producing those assets over to the advertisers and video editors and those kinds of people. And then you have to have a process for how to make it so that those um, edits are on brand and all those things. And and then to go create more and more of it. So how do you generate UGC and how do you generate influencer, but whatever, right? Whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, organizing all of that content, turning it into ads, and then even actually the process of building it in Facebook ads can be laborious. So, um, and writing copy and all of that. So, um, so in that respect, like getting, smoothing out the process by which creative gets developed and handed to advertisers and even into the ad account, um, that is uh, an operational challenge. And my suggestion to you is that one of the people who is key in making this sort of thing happen well is sort of a pro- as a project manager type skill set. Somebody who can oversee from beginning to end that process and help make it happen. Um, it, it's not what you think of with advertising, but because you're trying to create volume specifically, that skill set can really matter. Who can find the kinks that are coming up in that system and unkink them for you and go, okay, this is we're getting a bottleneck right here. Let's let's figure out how to smooth that out. All right. Um, and there's there. Are, I just I personally like absolutely love team members like this. I love working with great sort of um, um, project management detail oriented thinkers who have that skill set because it's just not me um, and I get really bogged down in it. So working with somebody who can say here's how we're going to move that so that it's, so the moment there's a photo that's shot, we have a nine by sixteen version of it and a one by one or a five by four or whatever. Right. Um, so. That's the different, uh, that, that's where uh, it can be just so helpful. And that somebody can figure out how to, you know, involve if you're working with overseas video editors or something like that, uh, can get them briefed out really, really well and make sure that they're transferring creative and getting it uploaded to the right place and using good cloud storage and organizing your folders really well and neatly. Like all of that stuff really matters for making this sort of thing work. Um, so that's, that's sort of part of the big picture advice here. Find that person uh, on the team who can do that and, and help make it happen. Use an effective tool for creative development, creative review, revisions, all those things. Um, build a really good quality she- Google sheet if you need to, or use some other software for reviews if you need to, to, to figure out how to make this work well. Because uh, ki- smoothing out all of those places is just its own really important thing. All right, number two. So number one, that's your big picture account setup. Build for volume. Having said that, there is also um, just it's just undeniable that great advertising campaigns also happen as as uh, a measure not just of testing and volume, but um, but of thoughtfulness, but of, of good quality advertising in a sort of traditional madmen sense almost. Uh, and I just 
you know, for me, when I, I always think about this, like when I, I still remember reading Ogilvy on advertising for the first time, David Ogilvy from Ogilvy and Mather, right? Like just one of the, one of the goats, one of the advertising goats, copywriter first and foremost, by the way, that book, if you've never read it, like stop listening to this, go get it right now and read it uh, because it's just amazing. And the thing that stands out to me about it is that while Ogilvy was, um, was generating, it was creating advertising for different formats than the digital age. Um, the principles like totally apply from that book. Uh, it's because the principles are really just about sort of like um, educating consumers and persuading consumers rel- relative to the products that are interesting to you and your brand and, and that sort of thing. And that's, I'm sure people behave differently in all kinds of ways in the world, but in a lot of ways they behave the same. And so the principles there uh, really matter. And I'm going to break that down into sort of three pieces that I see as being crucial and uh, sort of easy to plan around so that when you've got your creative machine spinning, when you've got the flywheel spinning, at the same time, um, now you have sort of an advertiser as well who's who's thinking more about sort of creative um, in a more traditional advertising sense uh, in terms of quality. Uh, what am I doing to convince, to show a product and, con- and drive interest in the product and drive ultimately purchase in the product. What am I doing to do that? Okay. So um, three, three ways to break that down. The first of these is so obvious and I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this missed. Okay. Number one, the product should be the hero. So uh, number one, and it's amazing how often I see people miss this. It's so, so simple, but um, it is just in the, in the, in the, <clears throat> Attempts to be creative and clever. It's so easy to forget. Number one, your product is the hero. Your product is the hero. Um, you know, people will talk about how the customer is the hero, and, and that's true in a certain sense. But in an ad, the product is the hero. The attention needs to be on that. This is particularly important when it comes to still imagery. It just needs to be uh, so often still imagery um, has a product with a bunch of other stuff around it. And uh, and I have just so rarely seen that kind of imagery work. It's why sometimes what can still work really well is like product on white. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that. I think a little more design is it's better. But like the reason that works at all is because at the very least, you've got a very clear image of a product. And if it's the product is at all visually appealing, it, it can be interesting. This is especially important if you're running ads for something that is not very problem solution oriented, where the look of the product is itself the thing that sells the product. So like if you're in apparel or furniture, uh, you know, or something like that, like something they're going to carry around with you all the time, you know, accessories, any of those things, like just having a beautiful product photo that shows off the product and makes it look great and high quality and all those things goes really far. Because if the primary thing someone is buying is an aesthetic, then the aesthetic needs to be presented well. So in my estimate, um, uh, this is like so crucial. So the same is true for video, by the way, it, that somewhere in the intro on a video, really giving people a sense of what this product is matters so much. That also grounds a really important concept, which is that when you have um, a still image that clearly features the product with very little distraction in the imagery and the way the, the, the product is staged, those sorts of things, um, or, or video doing the same thing, um, and this is true with UGC also, by the way, like just showing the product really clearly from customers or, or whatever. Uh, what all The reason this matters so much in part is because of the visual appeal of the product, but also 
because the most overlooked thing in great advertising creative is clarity. You have so little time to get somebody's attention. The one thing you cannot have happen is for somebody to not know what, it's, what the ad is about. So especially in e-commerce, selling consumer products of, of different kinds, consumer goods, right? Like they, at the very least, the customer needs to see and know what the product is immediately. They need to know exactly what it is immediately. If you accomplish that alone in your ad, you're sort of in the game for, the, for everything else that comes with it. It's not going to necessarily do everything to sell the product, but it's a crucial part. So um, product is the hero. That's number one. Now, even as I say that, I can already imagine, I can already think of ads that I have recently launched that don't clearly do that in an obvious way, but that I've launched them anyway. But do you know why I've launched them? Because I've launched them with cost controls and the creative already exists. It was low touch, low effort, high volume. And so I'm going to try stuff as long, you know, again. So the operational flywheel that I'm talking about is different than this in, in one respect. This is now when you're trying to craft advertising on top of that you can then plug in also the operational flywheel, but but on top of that, okay? So, because sometimes you're, you're not even going to be a good judge of like, is this clear? Maybe it's clearer or, or hookier or something in a way that you um, that you don't see, but but that's there. So, okay, so product is the hero. Still imagery in particular, make sure the product is clear, okay? Um, start there. Should be really appealing. Again, if you look open up Ogilvy on advertising, you'll see a lot of ads where the product, where the image just makes you want the thing just because it's beautifully shot. Uh, number two, okay. As you're generating creative, the headline matters so much. It matters so much. People's behavior is so different with headlines. The nice thing about this is it's so easy to test this. If you take, again, this kind of actually comes back to the operational fly, the, the, the machine that I'm talking about a little bit. But if you can if you can take an image, a beautiful product image, and you can just create five versions of it with five different headlines, um, you can test this really, really fast. And so I think that's really worth doing as a general rule. Uh, but um, the uh, the headline matters so much because, um, because the headline is going to, um, begin to move somebody into their interest in what you're talking about. It's not going to do all the work of selling the product, but it's going to capture attention. This is where it's helpful to pause and talk about something that at CTC we, we use as our framework for thinking about effective creative. And that's the, the acronym ADA. I, I believe this came from some great advertiser in the past, but um, attention, interest, desire, action. So the, the notion is that you move a customer through these four elements, perhaps in very rapid succession, um, in terms of their interest in the product. So it starts with attention, get their attention. Then you drive interest from there. So they maintain interest in it. So first you capture attention, then you hold their interest, and then you create desire, and then you move them to action. And for performance marketing, if you can move somebody through those four steps, um, that ends up being crucial. Now we have some ways of measuring that at CTC, and we use that as ways to review the effectiveness of creative and where things are going right and where things are going wrong. Hey, maybe we're not driving enough attention, but when we drive attention, it does sell. So we've got the action part, uh, solve, but we're just not getting enough attention and, or vice versa. You know, you're getting people to click and you're getting people to watch, but they're not buying. Why is that? And, um, that's all part of it. And, and, um, thinking through that really helps, um, think through then sort of what elements of creative you use to address each part of that process, each part of the funnel there, basically. Right. And essentially that's what it is as a funnel. So, um, so the headline is the thing that is going to, is going to begin to move you on the sort of attention and interest side of things um, and the image working together. The, the headline is going to be that first thing. Um, or if it's a video, 
uh, it might be the first line of the video. Even if it's not a headline per se, it might be, um, uh, it might be, it, it might be the first line that somebody says or a caption or something like that. Um, that, that works that way. It could even be actually the sort of headline around, um, around the video. If you're actually using like, you know, if it's a Facebook ad or, uh, or Facebook newsfeed ad or something like that. So, uh, the headline is going to drive a lot of interest. And this is where like some of the great ads, like they work because of this reason. I also think by the way, this is why, um, the, the fundamental, um, challenge of advertising most times um, is initially solved with words and with concepts, not first and foremost with imagery and video. The, uh, you know, and th this is probably reflects some bias for me because I'm just like the worst creative in the history of the world. But, um, but what I really believe is that sort of really good, thoughtfully executed advertising um, where you're really aiming at this sort of quality over quantity approach. And, and of course, what I'm saying here is do both. But, um, but when you're sort of aiming at quality, it starts with copy. Um, and actually David Ogilvy says the same thing, which is that sort of copywriters were the hardest uh, people for him to find, great copywriters. And that's because um, what happens visually is downstream from a concept, from an ad concept or from an angle. So there's a famous Bill Birnbach ad that's a Volkswagen lemon ad. Maybe you've seen it. Um, and it's just a picture of a Volkswagen, um, uh, you know, of, of a bug. And, um, uh, Volkswagen Beetle, and the headline says lemon, and that's it, one word, lemon. And that headline is brilliant, right? It It is connected to this image. It's a it's an automaker saying, um, this car is a lemon. And why why would an automaker say that about their own car? Well, it, that headline in one word drives all, combined with the image, and the, the, the two work together, then it drives all kinds of attention and interest. And now you're wrapped in, and that adds an old print ad with a bunch of long copy that explains uh, something about it all. You go look it up, Volkswagen Lemon ad. I, I don't want to ruin the hook for you because it's it's pretty brilliant. Um, but um, sold a lot of cars by just grabbing attention um, and then and then driving at from there a uh, uh, an angle around the car's reliability um, and the concept of being a lemon that ends up being the angle that the ad takes. Okay, so. That combines something I said earlier, which is that angle is one of the ways that you can create variety, right? It's one car, a Volkswagen, and, and it's a Volkswagen bug. And you could say a lot of things about what makes that car worth buying. In this case, the advertiser says um, it's, about, uh, it's about quality. It's about quality and why it will or will not break down, essentially, and what we do to ensure that your car is, is a good quality car. Um, and so you could also do all kinds of other things to, to try to sell a Volkswagen bug about sort of style and... Um, and all that, but this is this is the angle that Birnbach took in that ad, right? Another famous ad, and this is one I love. I use this example all the time. Is a, there's a famous Rolls Royce ad uh, by David Ogilvy uh, that is really all about luxury, and it's a B, and now that's sort of obvious, right? Uh, it's Rolls Royce, but it just goes through sort of features and benefits, but it does all of them in this way that um, drives at this is the best driving experience you could possibly have. And it's got, it's tricked out with all kinds of new features. Um, the headline is actually, is from a piece of PR about, um, about the, the car. And it was actually, I mean, Ogilvy just ripped the, the line from PR and said, uh, it's from a review of the car and used it for his headline. And the, the headline is, uh, at 60 miles an hour, the loudest thing in the new Rolls Royce is the electric clock. 
Um, and or something, I mean, that might not be exact quote, but that's the basic idea. And again, when you think about that line, it's doing a ton of work. That headline is driving home a concept really, really clearly at 60 miles an hour. The loudest thing, the loudest noise in the, in the new Rolls Royce is the electric clock. That's telling you it has an electric clock. That's telling you that it drives really smooth and really cleanly all in one line. And it's all driving at this one idea. And so when you think about headlines and when you think about angles and how your headline communicates that angles, it starts with that idea of a concept of an angle. And what you have to do as an advertiser is think through what am I selling? What exactly am I selling here? And that actually is not always an easy question to answer. Again, another Ogilvy line, um, Ogilvy said, if you're selling a fire extinguisher, start with the fire, right? So that's a perfect example of this question of what are you selling? If you're selling a fire extinguisher, it makes no sense to talk about the features of the fire extinguisher. How about how red it is or about the tubing or something like that, right? What makes sense is to talk about how good of a job it does um, um, putting out a fire or more importantly, actually more to the point, what makes sense is to talk about how dangerous fires are <laughs> and how you better not get stuck in a fire without a fire extinguisher because what you're selling when you sell a fire extinguisher is safety. And so um, so, so talking about the features and benefits, uh, the, the features of the fire extinguisher makes no sense. Right. So what are you selling? And that's a really important question. Uh, default to clarity, not cleverness, but be able to answer that question. Um, this is another place where brand versus problem solution makes a big difference. If you're selling high-end furniture, your prop, you know, sort of like designer furniture, it probably doesn't make much sense to talk about how well structured and how well built it is. I'm sure the quality of wood is great. And on a landing page, you should include, so on a product page, you should include the details that customers need to know to make their purchase, to feel good about it. And it might be, you know, what kind of wood it's made from and some of those kinds of things that, that you know, customers are, are going to have a sense of why one is better and, and one is worse and all that kind of stuff. And anything you have about a warranty and shipping and all the details that, that give a customer the information they need to make a purchase. We're going to come back to that in a second. But when you're first selling it, what are you selling if it's designer furniture? You're selling an aesthetic. That means your advertising needs to reflect something about that aesthetic. And maybe it's even a dream for somebody about sort of what kind of um, home they're going to live in and, um, and who's going to see the furniture and, all, and who's going to enjoy it and what that's going to reflect on them, etc. Okay, But first and foremost, you need beautiful product imagery. You don't want to talk problem solution there. On the other hand, uh, I have a friend who was working for um, a company uh, called Birdie. Um, and, and, uh, birdie was, sell, uh, was, uh, selling like essentially an alarm that you trigger if you're a, if you're a female and you think you're in danger of assault in some way or another, and it just makes this piercing, really loud alarm. Well, what you're selling there is not really about the aesthetic or the brand at all, right? It's something really different than that. And so, um, so yeah, so that's the basic, um, idea to think about. And, and, and that also could change if you're selling information or content, uh, that's another thing to be thinking through here. Um, are you selling knowledge in some way? Well, then how does that affect how you lead in the headline? Um, are you selling Are you selling nativeness to a subculture in some way? Is is what you're trying to actually get across the idea that this is for you because we're part of the culture that you identify with? Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes brands do this thing. And it's one of the sort of my pet peeves where their um, their advertising or their website or whatever says like, um, you know, join the join the you know, my brand community, whatever the brand is, right? Join the my brand community. And I always think that's totally backwards. The idea is not for somebody to 
jo- join a community around your brand. Like your brand is a brand. It's not it's not the center of community for people in most cases. There's what what actually matters is that your brand joins their community, the community that they already care about. So if you're Patagonia, the point is not that people join the Patagonia community, though Patagonia has such a strong brand that it's almost it's almost there. But even still, what Patagonia is 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 really native, super super native, including shared values with the outdoors community, right? And um, and we had this with slick products, right? One of the things we we're always trying to make a point of was as best as possible making it clear that we were native to to the communities of people who were riding dirt bikes and ATVs and UTVs, and and we wanted to make sure that was really clear. So we partnered with a great you know dirt bike uh, mo- motocross rider and all those kinds of things. We wanted to make sure that we were really native to those groups. So, um, so know what you're selling, and then let that lead into an angle, and then let and let that lead into a headline, and uh, drive through that headline, capture attention and interest through that headline. Um, and again, this starts from the perspective of words, and then let everything else come um, and be a support to those words and to those concepts. All right. Uh, lastly, as you're generating creative in this respect. Um, you have to then explain. Uh, it is it is almost never enough to just have a great headline. Again, there's some there's some there are occasionally products where there's so little explaining to do that um, a headline mostly does it. And that's actually the kinds of products typically where brand is really is really leading the way. For example, um, you know, apparel is, is a classic example of this, where it's really not about features and benefits at all. It's just about the brand. And so you could talk about the Again, you know, on your product page, you need to have the details that some people are going to want to know the want to want to care about. But really, first and foremost, the brand is everything. This is something I used to get so frustrated when I was uh, new to being a strategist for brands at CTC a, a number of years ago. Um, I would get so frustrated by um, by apparel brands in particular who um, operators who just really did not. Um, who just wouldn't let me do what I wanted with the ads because they were nervous that it was going to damage the brand. And, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was just totally wrong in those days. I was just totally wrong. Uh, the brand is everything if you're selling in those kinds of categories. But, um, but for many other products, what you are going to need to do, whether it's with, and there's a lot of ways to do this, is to, to, to move from the attention and interest with the headline into creating desire and action with the rest of the supporting information. There's a lot of ways to do this. There's, you can use analogies and you can use, uh, and you can use uh, illustrations and you can use arguments and you can do, and you could use video or landers or long form copy. There's a lot of different ways to do this. In the old days, it's long form copy. Uh, that's what these old ads do. But, um, but in, in uh, no matter how you accomplish it, depending on the format of your ads and what you're trying to do on the website afterwards and those things, you've got to give somebody the kind of information they need uh, to, uh, to make the, to, to drive, to turn attention and interest into desire and action. So uh, I think this is where explainer videos can be really helpful if the product could use a little bit of explaining, just showing somebody really clearly, here's a bunch more details about the product. Um, we saw this was used to, this, this worked really, really well for us at uh, FC Goods. Uh, just somebody showing Here's what the wallet looks like. Here's how cool it is. Here's why it's great. Here's the packaging, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, and and then sometimes landing pages again can do this depending on the angle you're using. Again, to use an example from FC Goods, uh, if if you are new to the show, FC Goods is a brand we had that 
made wallets out of vintage baseball gloves. Well, we knew that people were buying these as gifts. And so we created a landing page, a couple of them, different ways. They were all around why this made a great gift, why, why this was such a perfect gift. And, um, and you know, that's saying something really different than just here's the leather and here's the baseball glove leather. Uh, it's sort of driving home from the perspective, uh, giving, giving a bunch more information about the product that was going to drive home the idea that what you're selling is the experience of, of buying a really satisfying gift for somebody. And so it was saying all kinds of things about here's how great the packaging is and here's how thoughtful you'll feel when you do this. And it was all of this information to help somebody think through all the details of the product um, to, to make it clear to them that it was a really good gift. Uh, again, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. Long form video sometimes can work really well here. This is where the notion of short video doesn't work. Um, explainer UGC content can work great in this respect. Uh, we saw this with Bamboo Earth where somebody just going through their skincare routine with the products so that somebody new to it could kind of get a sense of the product and what they liked about it. Um, that, that could work really, really well as well uh, so they could just feel like they understood it better. Um, but whatever it is, as long as you know what you're selling, um, Driving towards the deeper explanation is a crucial part of it. That is often going to do the work of not just driving interest in the product, but selling the product. Um, and those are two separate things, uh, to some degree, at least. There's overlap, but there's two separate things. Uh, so know what you're selling and then drive that through the headline and the explanation. So that, I think, is very simple, but it is the breakdown of the way to think about it. If you wanted to give yourself a template here, just give yourself those three things. Number one, how am I making the product the hero? Number two, what am I doing to attract interest, um, attention and interest via a headline or, or a hook? Um, I think a headline is probably what you would want to hold yourself to mostly, thinking about some line of copy at the front of an ad that's going to mostly do this, okay? And then from there, number three, how am I ex using um, explainer information to sell the product from there in most cases? And then as you craft advertising, um, hold yourself to those three. How are these three going to come together and how is that going to turn out into the ads? Now, spending the time on that and really thinking through those angles and getting alone and working through what our customers want and, and all those things, um, you know, that could, um, that can sometimes take real time and effort in a way that's really different than creating the pure machine of volume. Um, but I have seen both work. Well, thoughtfully crafted ads on the one hand and, um, volume of options on the other hand. And so my suggestion, like I said in the beginning of this episode is don't choose. Do both. Develop the, the necessary skills to do both, necessary team members to do both at the scale that you can do it relative to the business that you are working in. Um, and, and pursue both of them as the way to really maximize Facebook ads as a platform. All right, so that's it for the week. Um, I, I think it's helpful just to be reminded that Facebook ads still is an incredibly powerful tool and there's some really core principles you can utilize to, to use it to grow your business. So um, that's, that's really all this comes down to is sort of how to think well about that. And my hope is that those kinds of skills translate to any advertising platform. I just don't, just don't know what advertising platform you would use that didn't in some way involve these, these kinds of things. So, um, so hopefully that's some help to you. As always, I would love so much if you would stop what you're doing right now and rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using um, and uh, share it with somebody on your team who's, who you think could be helped by this. Share it with your Facebook ads people, but do it not passively aggressively. You know, Don't tell them like, hey, you stink. Listen to this. Not that you would do that, but you know. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, as always reach out to me, Twitter's the best place to do it at Andrew J. Ferris. I would love to talk to you there. Otherwise hope all's well with you, with your business, with your family, with your life. See you next time. <laughs>